Welcome to the Cult of Comics podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and today I'm joined by, of course, Josh, Sean, and, of course, my one and only lover, Big Dick Daddy the Devil himself. How are we doing, guys? Which what? which one of me and Josh is Big Dick <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Listen, listen. I love you both. It's obviously you me. are Big Dick Devils. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, because you're a dad, you think you're Big Dick Daddy all of a sudden? Well, I'm, I'm both of those things, so it's yeah. all good. <laughs> Tell you what, get your wife in here. Let's have a little discussion. We're going to have a little talk. She's already mad at us for running late. She's, she's at the store yeah. right now. I'll, I'll get no, no, no. Tell... You call her back. We need to have her on the show. Let's get, get on. her to tell me when to stop. <laughs> that's my joke. I've said that so many times. Stop. <laughs> okay, that's really weird. You're doing... I've done that exact joke to people. Yeah. That exact joke. It's also... Like, uh, to a T. Um, the detour. They do that in the detour. The, the kids I don't know what that is. Oh fuck! You gotta watch that show. It's so hilarious. no idea. I, my usual thing is I I go like from here and then I go, come on, stop it, fuck you, you're a liar. No, <laughs> come on, stop. That's what I do. Yeah. Um. So, this is the Cult of Comics podcast, and outside of talking about Josh's oversized manly caveman penis, uh, we also talk about co- comic books and things that are going on in the comic book world. Today, we're going to be talking about the comic book club discussions about the things that we read this week. And this week, uh, we read quite a bit, but we're going to first start off with Mother of Madness by Amelia Clark and Marguerite Bennett and the artist Layla Lays. Layla Lays. Layla Lays. Layla Lays. Before I go into my thoughts, I want to know what you guys think. It was very wordy. Yes. It was. Uh, an entire issue just to keep going on and on about backstory and to be, I don't know, irreverent for the sake of irreverence. I it think it felt, was very overwritten. I think so too. I think that there, I have no problem with the fourth wall narration. I actually think that that was kind of clever. Um, I also don't mind that this character gets superpowers because of pills or whatever. I don't yeah. care. That's comics. That's yeah. never, that's not an issue. Yeah. I also don't mind the feminist themes. I just think that there was a lot about this that felt very much like somebody who has not written comics before wrote a comic book. And the, the scripts by Marguerite Bennett, who is an, he, she is a, an established writer. writer who's I, done, yeah. She's I, done quite a bit. I really enjoy the art in here, but for some the reason with this, with this square binding, like some of the art goes way into the way deep into the center. The yeah. Page. Um, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree boys. I don't like the art very much in this at all. I feel like there's so many points where it's very crisp and clean. And then other times it looks like a five-year-old drew it. I don't know about the five-year-old, but yeah, there are points where it's better than others. Yeah. I think that Agreed. Layla Lays is a fantastic artist when she takes her time. And this feels like something that she did not take her time with. And it's very apparent to me personally. Are you talking about, um, like, the page where it's the puzzle pieces? It's exactly what I was thinking of. It's exactly it. Yeah, it was almost she's like, rushing around. Uh, like a family circus comic right there. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think that not telling a linear story has always been a problem. I think that the only people who have gotten away with it have been maybe the movie Memento. Uh, hmm. That's all I can really think of at the moment, but because like even then the majority yeah, but of you had own... the genius Christopher Nolan behind that. Yeah, all the Christopher yeah, Nolan, not movies, the actress like the from Prestige. Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think that it's very much a. This feels like it has a lot of dry British 
humor, which I kind of like. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of those points where it's like, how dry is this? And I feel like they're trying to make a point with being while being a little bit too direct, I think. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of points where I was like, ah, do I like how heavy-handed and ham-fisted this feminist conversation is being I had? I felt a lot of it was too feminist. So in a in a world where men are too overly misogynistic, like it's so overt, and I get that enough. it's a comic book and it's meant to be a hyperbolic. Yes, I don't really have an issue with that. I think that there was just a lot of points where I was like, okay, I fucking get it, but I'm also, I have to ask myself, is that me being a male? Yeah, I probably. That's, that's what I've been questioning on myself the whole time, reading like, this. I are, are, have you are read we the toxic ones? <laughs> are we the baddies? No, no, it's definitely the women. <laughs> no, no, no. You're toxic, toxic for, you're toxic for calling me toxic. <laughs> I'm feeling like you're sending me towards a downward shame spiral, and I do not appreciate it. Yeah. I'm going to have to call you out on Twitter. All right. Um, another, I, I don't know if I want to call it inconsistent, uh, but almost every page they try and put in the sort of... Uh, art effect of having the old style comic book printing where mm-hmm. it's the the dot printers but it's so inconsistent it's just not it's not it's like we have to put a little bit of somewhere in the scene has to have this effect over top of it. yeah if they did that throughout the whole book i would have loved it as a, as an effect but i feel like it just was it, it's barely noticeable un- until you finally notice it and then you're like oh i wonder how many times they did that and then you just move on with your life mm-hmm I wanted to like this a lot more. I was really hesitant to pick this up. I, I'm going to probably read issue two. It's I just, a three-issue three mini. I yeah, may so, read all of it. I also really like Amelia Clark, and I really like the afterword in this. I like yeah. that she explains how she got into comic books because she was going to a lot of comic cons at, for you know playing Daenerys Targaryen in the Game of Thrones TV series on HBO. On HBO. But... I want her to write more stuff in the future because she's obviously a fan. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like she could be a lot of fun. She could be an, uh, a writer that maybe gets really big one day, or maybe this is a one-off thing. But I, you know, know, One thing I do want to say I liked about this issue... Well, two things I liked about this issue. One was when she was breaking the fourth wall, the speech bubbles were kind of a little 3D, and they had like the shadow, oh, drop yeah. shadow behind them yeah. to kind of make them stand out a little more as being on nice. this, this side that. of the page cool. almost mm-hmm. and another thing I really like is the her powers depend on her emotions yeah mm-hmm. I like that it kind of reminds me of uh, the Incredibles mm-hmm. a little yeah like when she's scared she becomes invisible because she doesn't want to be seen I think that there's a like, I have to remind that. myself that this is a comedy and there's so many points of this that are meant to be silly and overt and for the sake of silly and overt like mm-hmm. the kid saying i'm concerned about simba's relationship to the proletariat when he talked to, when he was talking about watching yeah. the lion king that was really funny because there's a lot of gen z kids these days that actually do talk that way obviously mm-hmm. not to that extent but there are a lot of gen z kids who are really <laughs> like very communist these days One... yeah oh that reminds me all of the references in 2049 are the references you would kick out in 2019 or 2020 like we're just rebranding a bunch of stuff like instead of uber it's uber i, I found mm. it really weird there was one scene of them wearing masks in like 2040 
Yeah. Yeah, very inconsistent, Matt. Yeah, 2049, very inconsistent. Well, it's weird. But it's like, sure oh, it's, it's all of the issues of today, but we're just going to slap 2049 on it. It's well, like in The Nice House on the Lake number one, where there's just that one random page of one of the characters walking up to the house wearing a mask still. I actually wanted to point this out really quick. I think that that is more normalizing the people wearing masks these days because now that people are aware that it does mitigate virus mm-hmm. spreading, it's going to be more normalized. Whereas, like, people in Japan how do that all the, the time. Subway is? Oh, dude. But it's They're just filthy. With the nice house on the lake, it was just such a weird yeah. little out of scene. place, yeah. random one. But scene. And there was really in, only um, wearing masks on the subway. Yeah. Public transportation is like the only place you see them wearing the masks. Sure. There was another comic, um, Tyler, Batman Joker Warzone one shot. Do you remember that? Yes. There was a John Ridley story in no, no 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 no. When what was this? Detective Comics ten twenty seven when Officer Nakano and another guy go into Wayne building and it ends up blowing up or something. There's yeah. a scene of Lucius Fox stood outside the building wearing a mask. Sure. And it's just weird how... The logic doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're putting it in there because it's from the real world, and then they're just very inconsistent. Inconsistent. Yeah, well, especially because a lot of the scenes are them outside instead of being inside. Like, a subway yeah. makes sense because you're around a lot of people, yeah. it's dirty, you know. It's just interesting. I also find it really weird that they introduce, like, this costume for this character at the very end i don't like really i don't well it it's different from what i thought it was going to be and the first page it looked almost like some sort of bondage uh yeah it reminds me of something kick-ass yeah and now it just is like this mishmash of all sorts of things to make a uh i don't know sort of jumpsuit luchador Yeah. yeah have you guys read man eaters no no great story chelsea kane um it's a it is if you want to read a fun feminist story that tells a point without being ridiculously ham-fisted and even when it does it's really funny and in a way that you're like oh i actually really enjoy this and it kind of chelsea kane was the person who went through that whole sexism uh for writing mockingbird and then she had the cover for uh, ask me about my feminist agenda yeah that whole thing so she wrote man eaters in response and it's a fucking great fantastic you just Saying about the Ask Me About Feminist Gender thing reminds me. I think I sent you the Donny Cates got called out on Twitter for the Snowflake and Safe Space thing. He was like, uh, I, I didn't write this. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Yeah, someone posted like a massive tweet like shitting on Donny Cates for coming up with these two shit characters. And he was like, Yeah, I, I didn't write this. <laughs> Fucking morons, dude. <laughs> Fuck f- trolls, dude. Yeah. So. Well, Marguerite we should, uh, has done uh, Bombshells as well. Yeah. She did uh, Batwoman. Um, she's done lots of bits here and A new version of Joker's Daughter. Yeah. Joker's Daughter needs to be forgotten about. I'm actually going to cut off the conversation here because That's we're going to try to run through it. So we're going to move on to Moon Knight number one by Ched McKay and Alessandro Cappuccio. This is my first Moon Knight comic and my first Ched McKay comic. Tell me about Moon Knight. Really? Yeah. Okay, so... I'm not a Marvel guy. I checked this out because you gave me a lot of good buzz about Jed McKay. That's fair. So Moon Knight is a character that has been in the spectrum for some time now, but he kind of... He's a character that 
is on and off. And this is a follow follow up story. Uh, I think after the more recent run, which was heavily uh, either Jeff Lemire or followed up by Jeff Lemire. But Jeff Lemire was the one who introduced the Mark Spector uh, white suit outfit, and he is a character with dual identity disorder, uh, and he has multiple different personalities as a response to his trauma and death. He was a soldier of fortune who died at the statue of Khonshu and now is the fist of Khonshu, the Egyptian god of night. And his first appearance was in Werewolf by Night number 32, uh, where he fought the Werewolf by Night. He typically fights uh, occult supernatural characters. Uh, more recently in the Avengers comic, he was possessed Which by was the actual god. Which was mentioned in this in a, yes. um, editor's note. Mm-hmm. Jed McKay is a fun writer. Um, I really like what he's doing with the Magic the Gathering book. I Nerd. would say that... I know. Uh, I would say that this is a good collection of here's this character if you've never been privy to him before here's a really quick roundup of what he does and all you have to really know I, is to just go I really like parts of this there was one bit that really confused me and it was the um, Luke Cage looking guy so he's a new character yeah but it's just weird how they were just talking like, oh so you're Moonlight and then suddenly he was part of the Konshu religion church thing that is something that they're all confused about because he's he's such a new character that it's not really within the realm of, of spectrums. However, the cult but and the religion of Khonshu is... But it was just the way he was so, like... Aha, uh-huh, there you are. Yeah, it was like, ah, oh, Moon Knight. Oh, I'm Doctor. I've just taken over free clinic here. And then the next page he's like, I assure you, Mr. Spectre, there is but one who outranks me in the cult of Khonshu, and it's not you. Mm-hmm. And it was like, he starts off being like this weird character who's taken over a local clinic, and then suddenly he's like, oh no, I outrank you, mm-hmm. bitch. It's it's very strange and out there, it, but I it think just, that... The way the scene was written felt very clunky. I think that Jed McKay does really bad number ones, but he does really strong number twos. Okay. And, no pun intended, um, I think that he I, is a very... I did enjoy it, and I'm going to read issue two, because I did enjoy this enough. I think that when it comes to stuff like Black Cat especially, he does a really he's really heavy handed with introducing new characters. He's very quick. He, I think that he doesn't pace himself out enough for a difference between issue one and issue two. I think that if he spread himself out a little bit more, it would be a little bit more easy to digest. If you had just done this issue where it was introducing Mark Spector fighting these people, going to therapy, and then introducing his new uh, vampire secretary. I think that that could have been a good issue number one. Maybe with a small hint of this Doctor character. Then in issue two, do the reveal that he is a part of the Khonshu uh, collective. Yeah. That would have been strong as well. I think that there was just a lot crammed into this. Yeah. Another thing I really liked is the fact that Moon Knight is drawn in black and white. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's a white-coloured character, but, like, you can tell from the colouring that it is just black and white. S- somewhat. He does have some tones of blue and hue- hues of grey and stuff like that. A um, little, but you look at the scene of him fighting the werewolf monkey things? Vermin, and it's a character from Vermin. Spider-Man uh, who was uh, introduced he, in the saying, late yeah. 200s. Yeah. Yeah. But he's just... He stands out. A lot werewolf on that page monkey for being very thing. Black and white. Look at them. Look at them. Tell the me the werewolf monkey thing. 
We're going to send Josh a picture now and let him know how spot on my description was. Why don't you tell me what you think about werewolf monkey thing? I'm excited about this. This is going to be monkey nice. baby. Werewolf. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think that issue number two is going to be, uh, interesting to read. I think that, um, like I said, I think that Jed McKay should pace himself out a little bit more. It is a good enough issue that I want to read the second one. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read that, issue two. I definitely think people should check it out a little bit more, especially with the upcoming show, to get an idea of who Mark Spector is. I think that the best portrayal I've seen of him has been by Bendis in Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, fuck you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I said it. Oh, Bendis. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that that. Do you even know what I'm talking about? No, no clue. I know you don't. You fucking piece of shit. Josh, are werewolf these monkey not monkey thing? werewolf monkey things? <laughs> he just it's, looks confused. Uh, it's more of like a rat. Yeah. See, thank you. All right, moving on. I hate you both. I quit. I know you do, baby. It's like Patrick's right, no. dumb cousin. <laughs> We're going to talk about Superman and the Authority Number One by Grant Morrison and Mikhail Hannon or Yanin. Hannon. Hannon. I, I just gotta say, I I really loved this. Yeah, this was really good. This was a great first issue. Like the the opening three pages just cemented this for me. Before I, I can really read the rest didn't of the expect story. this. First off. The pointillism um, inking on the first couple of pages yeah. to kind of collect, capture the timeliness of that period. Love it. Yeah, so it starts off with Superman and Kennedy talking about making a better world together. Yep. And, yeah. And Josh, the... did you read this? No, I didn't pick it up. I skimmed you through it, though. You fucking slut. I recommend it. You're a butt slut for DC Comics. Yeah, it's I a, am. It's a four issue mini. Yeah. It's four issues, it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And I usually don't hype up Grant Morrison books, but I loved this. Yeah. I think he's I genuinely think he is the only they, writer who can sorry, yeah. I think they're the only writer that can actually write a um I think they're the only writer that truly understands Superman. Um, because before this came out he did an interview and he was like I don't like the Injustice Superman because Superman would never go full authoritarian. How dare you disrespect Jan Jurgens? He's contributed a lot to the mythology, but I think... <laughs> they. N- no, I mean Dan Jurgens. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dan Jurgens has contributed a lot to the Superman mythology, but he... He doesn't do it in a, a way that's so over-encompassingly powerful. Yeah. You look at everything that Morrison's written, and... Their work on All Star Superman, which was just oh legendary, perfect, perfect. And then they've done bits and pieces here and there of Superman, and even now they release this book and it's just perfect. It really like, is the, very the message, good. especially in this day and age, is perfect. Yeah, um, this is the story of Superman in a more modern setting. If Superman had started losing some of his powers, uh, he's losing his super hearing, his super sight, his flight, um, and he is struggling. So he is trying to find a ragtag team of antiheroes to fight off all of the villains that he's been fighting off for years and years and years. And he is no longer able to recruit the list, uh, the help of A-listers. So the first person he goes to is Manchester Black. It's been a while that- since we've seen Manchester Black. Uh, a while is is putting it lightly. It's been years. Three years, four years. I thought it was like he eight was in years. he was in Tomasi's run in Rebirth. 
Oh, okay. I had I never finished that run, so that yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It, it kind of jumped the shark a little towards the end. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, what I like about this story is it's a Superman who was so preoccupied with thinking he was making a better world, he never realized he didn't. Yeah. He was too busy fighting these big galactic threats that he realized he never actually made the world a better place. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of the question of is the presence of good enough to make a world the world a better place? And it's, it kind of answers that question directly and says, no, yeah. it's not. You have to make strides for the future. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how this is going to move forward because this is probably the best art I've ever seen from Mikkel Hannon at this point. He is one of those artists who's constantly getting better. And his style's Absolutely. not changed. It's just more refined. I feel like he's working with Jordi Belair now, who does his work a lot more justice. Way, his, well, his work in War of Worlds, Batman, was it? Uh, no, what was his future state worlds. book? Superman. Superman War of yeah. Worlds, was it? World, of, World at War. War, World War. War World, sorry. It wasn't War World, it was World of War or War of Worlds or something. I don't know. Sam. Like, his work there was good, and I feel like this is the next evolution. I think that Jordi Belair is one of those colorists that is so good that I'm fairly certain she could make a turd look appetizing. Has she ever worked with John Romita Jr.? Cause that's I don't know, but described. that would be really interesting. <laughs> <Could> you? <laughs> ah, I like John Romita Jr., you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> um, I really didn't want to like this. I didn't go into this thinking... Man, I'm really gonna. I, I actually was putting it off. I was like, I don't want to read this. I'm not excited. Morrison is extremely high concept, high concept, but they've never written a bad Superman story. That's very true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, especially like, the yeah. action comics run. That was really a lot of fun. Yeah. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Um, yeah, Josh, I think that you should check it out. Four issues, I, not bad. Yeah. Four issues. I you didn't know it was it. gonna be four issues. Uh, like I said, I skimmed through it. I got a little bit of the story. I don't know what's going on at the end where he, you know, drugs one of the guys. All right, and that was the alarm. Uh, we are going to move on. But he drugged the guys, and I want to know what happened. <laughs> Wait, you mean when Manchester Black's drinking and then he starts, like, throwing up and stuff? Yeah. He does uh, not he, drink. He doesn't drug him. Yeah, he's... Superman gives him a glass of water. Manchester Sparkling Black water. is mineral water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man Manchester Black is allergic to anything that is not alcoholic. <laughs> he, what does he say? He has a condition where he, if he doesn't I, drink alcohol every hour. Yeah, I have a pre-existing medical condition where if I don't consume alcohol on an hourly basis, I go into a, and then he just starts passing out. How very British. Well, he's the, yes. so the introduction to this character is in South London. So I got to tell you, when I'm reading this, uh, just like extremely dramatic accent in my head, I made it all the funnier. I hear Constantine when I read him. He's just an evil version of Constantine. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure they're different, but like, he's different, just got that sort of like punk same. rocker vibe that I just I mean, hear Constantine. Yeah, with. no, I'm not going to argue that. I guess I'm just wondering about the South London accent. I mean, would you say that's more Cockney or more traditional London? Southie. Um, I don't know. I just, when I read the character, I hear Matt Ryan's voice from the Constantine TV show. And that's, See, not even, I, that's not even an accurate Constantine Constantine voice because he's from a different location than Constantine. Mm. But it's just mm. that voice is so ingrained in my head now with Constantine, and I just hear it with this as well. People love Matt Ryan as Constantine. I he swear. is 
he is the perfect casting for that role. No okay. one like he's the J.K. Simmons of Constantine. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Just keeps popping up. Like so, he's been in a few shit shows. Like his TV show is bad. Legends of Tomorrow was fun, but not great. Sure. But like he still is. He has nailed that role in every performance he's done. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, we're gonna move on to Blue and Gold number one by Dan Jurgens and Ryan Sook. Go ahead, boys. Dan Jurgens doesn't understand, or he overdid <laughs> the Facebook, Twitter stuff. Oh, god. oh my god, he is so out of touch with technology. I remember back. How when, do you do, fellow kids? That's <laughs> so. F- Hello, fellow children. Okay, so there's this point. I'll bring it up every until I die. In Superman, um, Convergence issue number one, Superman is looking for Lois Lane, who gets kidnapped by God knows what, and he goes, "Oh my god, I have to find Lois." Oh no taps a computer keyboard luckily this computer was recording this whole time and then just plays a video that just for some reason was recording now i don't know if that means that lois was just knew what was happening or if he just magically found a space bar that some for some reason had playback ability for the last six hours but that's uh, that's yeah. what i think of with dan jurgens all the time but he has written some very good stuff and he's it, written some very cheesy 90s stuff yes it's weird how it's presented but some of it is fun you know, you've got different people showing up. You got Bebo, which is probably Bibbo Babowski. Yep. GG is definitely Guy Gardner because there's one scene where he's like, um, he, uh, Guy Gardner, the uh, the boss. What does he call him? Uh, next page. He calls himself yeah. the boss or something. Yeah. At one point, he's like, "Oh, Guy Gardner's." Uh, yeah, it's like it's, he. They're all replying to each other, and it's like, "Oh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, they're in the jail together with Fire, mm-hmm. Ice, Maxima, and Superman, and then." GG replies saying, and Guy Gardner, the boss. Yep. The boss. Which is funny because that's what Guy Gardner would do, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, I think that Dan Jurgens does a really good job of capturing the voice of these two characters. Well, I, he, cr- I he no created issue. one of them. So yeah, right, so. so. <laughs> that is his voice. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, it just makes sense. You know, I like Ryan Suck. I like his artwork. I think that Ryan Sook has done better artwork than this issue. I agree. It was good okay. in places, but there were a few... I think the inking was a little strange in this, or the colouring. Maybe. One of the two. There was a lot of points where uh, Booster Gold is smiling, and it looks like... Yeah, like that. Like a really yeah. weird caricature. It's well, he's got scary. 31st century dental work. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's it. Um, I... I didn't find this to be so overwhelmingly good that I want to pick up an issue number two. Yeah, it was a lot I of think fun, and it. I'm going to keep picking it up because I want to support this book because I want these characters to get back in the spotlight again. Well, mm. I'm frustrated because I actually like this bromance a lot, and I I did find a lot of this charming, but I don't think that this is enough for me to want to sing its praises to other people and then say this is something yeah. that everybody should check out and yeah, i'm actually it, kind of disappointed it's not one of those books you could go and be like oh this is a masterpiece you have to read it it's not like a black label book where it's this self-contained perfect story about these characters it, yeah. it's a fun entertaining book but it's that not is quite polished enough no that's what you'd say it, it could have been better yeah mm-hmm. and then at the All end right. of the story we've got this mongol looking dude Omnizon. Like, it yes. just looks like the same throne yes. room from War World. 
A little bit. It kind of seems like a mixture of Doomsday and Darkseid mixed together. Mm. I see a little bit of Thanos in there too. It reminds me of like the end of the first Avengers movie where, or in the first Avengers movie where he's got that little throne mm-hmm. yeah, in that little rocky bit. It's just okay. I, I don't really know what that's leading up to, but it's an eight-issue miniseries, so it's not like it's a gigantic yeah. commitment. So I think that people who love these characters could go into this really easily and just say, yeah, I like this, I'm going to keep reading it, and blah, blah, blah. All right. Go ahead and take over, boys. I didn't read this one. All right. Dark Blood number one by Latoya Morgan and Walt Barner. Yeah. Uh, so Latoya Morgan is a screenwriter-producer for Warner Brothers. So she's written for Parenthood, Shameless, some show called Complications. Uh, she was an executive producer for Into the Badlands and Turn Washington Spies. She's working on shows with J.J. Abrams, uh, wrote for The Walking Dead, and now she's working on, this is her debut graphic novel. Who published this? This is Boom? Boom. Boom, boom. Yep. Boom. What did you think? Six issue mini. Um, I liked it. It didn't go the way I expected, so I'd need to read issue two to make up my mind. Yeah. Explain. It's it's almost like half an issue. Yeah. The whole issue's kind of like as if this guy's just got back from war and... Yeah, well, he's he's been back from war for a while, and it seems like he's almost a... uh, Maybe a local celebrity, because the guy's talking about, oh, you got all your medals from World War II. You mm-hmm. think you're so good. Yeah, they seem to know each other. Well, I'm going to pop you really quick. Tell me what the plot of this comic is. So it's 1955, and it references a uh, the Night of the Variants. And I thought it would be, you know, this is the night that he gets his powers. But it's as you go farther and farther in, it seems like he got his powers uh, ten years before... Uh, during World War Two, as a red tail, he's okay. a he's a fighter pilot. Looks like he's a red tail. The tails of the planes are red. Uh, okay, and he gets shot down. Uh, something had to have happened because it shows him basically falling out of the sky as parachute caught fire. Yes, and the the last shot we get is almost like a tree or a lightning strike up his back Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's not clear what's going on or what he's been doing in this 10 years and it seems like we're going to go back and find that out so I feel like I'm not getting a whole lot of like enthusiasm about this book from you guys right now the the jury is still out yeah I liked the art the writing was good, but just not enough happened for me to make a decision on this story yet. It's, it's a six-issue mini, so if issue two still sticks for landing, I'm probably going to finish it. Yeah, it just okay. seems short for 20 pages. Yeah, it moves along very quickly and just kind of... Yeah. Uh, mm. This comic got several variant covers, like different comic shops uh, got their own variant cover. It's all listed okay. here. There's a uh, basically a trigger warning at the beginning of the inside cover as well. What's the triggering uh, portion of this? Racially based violence, racially based slurs and language. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a valid thing to warn people about. Yeah. So, it, it might be a good start. I'm definitely going to keep picking it up, but I think, it sh- like Sean said, issue two is going to be the make or break 
yeah if i like you to sorry go on i was just go ahead and ask uh you go ahead before me i have a just a quick question okay i was just gonna say if issue two still is enjoyable enough it's a six issue series so i'll be like a third of the way through at that point so yeah i probably will just pick it all up but if issue Um, two sucks i'll probably drop it do we know if the writer is a person of color yes the writer and the artist I'm going to ask a really quick question in the middle of this podcast really quick. With trigger warnings and content warnings, it makes sense to a certain degree because there have been people who are very critical of um, the overexposure and overtelling of uh, the lynching of people in history in America, Uh, more specifically with uh, Emmett Till and the imagery of what happened to Mm -hmm. him and how his body was shown to the world. Um, that makes sense because there's an argument to be made about white people per- portraying what black violence looks like or violence on people of color looks like and using it almost as a means of like <sighs> what's the word I'm looking for it's like violent pornography um, like almost snuff uh, oh. uh, art you know what I'm saying I know what you're I, I can't think of the term it's like poverty porn, but it's the opposite. It's the it's violence porn, basically, to like okay. really nail a point home. And it's like, yeah, this is a good point, uh, but there are yeah, people who grew up with this who don't need to see this they're... every single waking second. So the question I'm asking is, when a person of color makes a content warning like this, or if anybody makes a content warning like this, does it detract from the impact that these choices of words or actions in a book or a story have on the audience don't think so okay i think they're just trying to be true to the facts of the time sure no no i'm not saying that they should omit the violence or anything what i'm asking is when they write that in does the content warning detract from how impactful that could happen in the story to the audience member like if i'm an audience member reading don't know if we can answer that well let me put it this way if I am me and I see that the there's a content warning that says uh, trigger warning rape uh, and I read it and I know that I'm expecting a rape scene, yeah. does that take away from the impact it has on me as an audience member? I feel like you still... You see the point I'm making? Maybe it does, but I think you err on the side of caution and put that in there. Sure. I think that's a valid opinion. What do you think, Sean? it's a difficult one yeah right because it's a conversation i've had with people before but i think it's kind of a better safe than sorry situation sure and i think that being respectful of people for if they've gone through these experiences they should be you know yeah hey heads up just just a a warning if you're traumatized by something yeah exactly but there's Um, also that question especially i'd say in an issue one it's more important because if you set up enough where you know the tone of a story in an issue one, then if it happens in a later issue, maybe it's not so much of a trigger. Mm-hmm. But I picked this up blind off a shelf. I didn't know what it was about. So I think a lot of people could have, and if you go into it not expecting something like that, mm-hmm. when it is something that would trigger you. I'm going to ask that you guys read American Carnage when you can, because that that's the big reason why i ask that um and you'll see when you read it 
Uh, and then I'll just end it there and then move along. It's a, a similar kind of story, but I think that you okay. guys would really appreciate it. Um, we're going to ha- go ahead and move along to Alien Number 5 by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Salvador Arroca. That was beautifully pronounced. La Roca. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, his artwork is still not uh, beautiful. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. So, this I is in like... uh, 2200. So, the uh, one shot was in 2214, so 14 years after this. Mm-hmm. I really like the way they integrated like what happened to him in the past into this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't spend too long delving on it, but it fit in naturally... His baby's trying to kill him. (laughs) I think that there's a lot to appreciate about this. I think that there's a lot of really interesting artistic choices about this. Um, Even though it's La Roca, so you know that it's going to be kind of hit or miss or absolute trash sometimes. But I think the story in itself still tells... is being told really well. Um, I'm having fun with it. I think that's the important thing about an Alien series is that you have fun with it. I'm not expecting, I'm not this expecting to be gold. Yeah, I'm not expecting some philosophical yeah. thing that makes me reevaluate my life. I'm expecting yeah. some gore, some action. Yeah. Maybe a couple political points, but nothing that's too heavy-handed. Yeah, about capitalism. Yeah. I I don't remember the sequel films that well. Aliens, Alien Three and Four, whatever. Uh, I don't remember Four or so. Oh, I I really liked Four. But I don't know if this idea of, like, once you've been, you know, attached to the hive, you had a face hugger on you, that you are you have this connection to the rest of the hive mind forever. I, I, I don't, don't remember anyone more. surviving a face hugger before. Ripley did, but then she did eventually die. Yeah, because yeah, if you remember, they just did, postponed its uh, the chestburster. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this is new lore about being connected to the hive mind or not. Well, it it depends on... So in Aliens 3, there's kind of an insinuation that because she is implanted and impregnated with this thing, that she does have some sort of a connection, but not like a hive mind. And then in Alien 4... uh, This is almost feeling like Starship Troopers almost. Sure. In Aliens 4, what happens is they clone her multiple times and when they finally get it they actually had them like crossbred with each other in a way yeah. so that's why there was a connection but this is not that case and this is after Hadley's Hope so Aliens 4 is omitted Yeah. so I don't I don't know what to think about this towards the middle of the story uh, when he he's having this fight with the Alpha some stuff on this page the art's really pulling me out yeah like he switches from having the gun in his right hand to, or in his left hand to in his right hand back to his left hand it's pretty consistent after that well i mean that's being really nice man i feel like the the size of his head changes every other page yeah i don't know what's going on with the fingers of this alien either dude this is this is why this guy traces is because like he is not consistent and i can see why he does it so so much and yeah. i'm kind of just surprised that he's in the industry still and just being stabbed in the arm this many times and then you're just like Hup! I'm going to hold you with my other arm and just kind of walk it off. Like, I get that this is a tough guy. I get that this is supposed to be, like, the big manly man. So, I... It's okay, I guess. But everything else about it, I I still really enjoy. The writing is extremely enjoyable. 
Top notch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited for the next arc, which we've seen like a cover of, and we've got a solicit of. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we move on to our uh, very lengthy discussion about the many deaths of Layla Star number four? Yes. Sure. Ram V, Felipe Watanabe. Guys, I'm very happy that I picked this book up. You're, you're welcome. You're yeah, Josh, no, actually, thank you, seriously. Josh, you'd be happy too if you followed my recommendations. Yep. Tyler took Just a plunge. listen to Sean. All will be good. I realized that the sweet, sweet smell of Lipton tea was too enticing, so I dived head, dove head first into that pool. Conversation. <laughs> That's the name of this issue. This was um, I I didn't know what to expect after the cigarette issue. I think that I went into this thinking this was going to be a lot more focusing on the artistic narration. Mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the series but i'm i not wasn't disappointed expecting this... the confrontation between her and yeah mm-hmm. um what's his name darius mm-hmm. yeah and she becomes more and more intertwined with layla she's not just the god of death anymore she is layla so the two mm-hmm. identities are really getting mixed together it seems like they were separate before but now it seems like they're really mixed together it's interesting that she's having this conversation with this temple um which if uh, correct me if i'm wrong here i think that they said that it's the last temple of this kind in india the last, the chinese, last chinese temple, temple at right. least in mumbai okay so I-, I expect conversations with ravens or other gods but this was interesting because it's almost like it's saying that the place of worship itself has a personality and has power so that's an interesting conversation to be had maybe not now but about what you could perceive as important to religion because you could say like what i've said about gotham being an Mm. important character in batman books how a temple is an important character to religion yeah regardless of whether or not you believe that it has a personality or not it's like every single pixar film you know what if this had feelings what if this Mm -hmm. had feelings what if food had feelings yeah (laughs) And then what if the most food recent, got horny? Then the most recent one. What if black people had feelings? <laughs> I saw that meme too. Yeah. So the the author basically comes right out and says, "Did you not see this pattern that's developed over the past three issues? Have you not noticed this pattern?" What is the pattern? The pattern of Layla appearing to Darius after a loss. I did not. I did not at all. Yeah. They, they come right out and, like, hit you over the head, like, notice it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that was... Did he say that in the back matter? Because it was said pretty heavily in this story. In the story, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it feels like that was probably intentional. Like, a ha-ha, you thought you knew what was going on, but little did you know. Ha-ha-ha. Yeah. I'm Ram V. Mm-hmm. Ram V in this series has just blown me away. It really, it's sincerely. Such, it's such an artistic, experimental book. Like You had one issue from the point of view of a cigarette, mm-hmm. and it was a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I, it's very artistic, expressive, and I honestly can't fault any of the issues we've read so far. Mm. This is a series that... I'm happy to own in physical. Yeah, I, I'm going to be recommending this to a lot of people in the future. My shop actually has a dedicated little shelf just to this, uh, which I think is totally appropriate. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what to expect for the final issue because they're insinuating that because he hasn't developed the cure for mortality yet, he that was 36 in this issue, and it will be 28 years later. Right. So he's so going to be 64. Old. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting. Running out of time. If it was me, if I was Layla Starr in this in this panel and having this conversation with this guy, I would almost want to get defensive and be like, "Look, man, I didn't even have anything to do with this. Like, the universe moves on without me." Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. She very much just takes it, and I feel like there's a point to be made there, and I don't know what it is. I don't know, but I think anytime you know, somebody close to him dies, he's gonna be like, "Where is it's she?" Other people. Yeah. Can I just point out the what's what I'm looking for? the parallel between this and... Because in the newspaper we see, it's like worst flooding in years. Yeah. And then we've had several countries yep. last but week. That's... Same week of release suffer from serious yeah. flooding. That is they, ironic. They have a, you know, monsoon season in India. Coincidental. They do, but just this it's releasing common. the same week, China, yeah, Germany, yeah, the UK, it floods. It is kind of an but interesting. But it's not hard little, uh, to predict when it's you know, no. India. They're gonna have something about monsoons and storms and whatnot. Don't mind me. That was just the alarm for the timer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really can't begin to ex- uh, express to people how much I want them to read this. So I- I'm gonna continue to sing its praises. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got my wife to read it. Oh, good. Yeah. She likes is it. Is she enjoying it? She better. Um, so next up is Skybound X number three, which I did not read, so go ahead, guys. Yeah, this is the same as I said for the last few issues. It's got a fun few little stories in it, but nothing groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah, we just get a a lot of quick, you know, they do the uh, 4x4 panel in uh, one of the pages and just cover so much time. It it looks like they're covering weeks or months. And, I mean, that's just kind of taking up space until we get the uh, Negan attack. With Lucy, uh, what was it? Luce Lucille. and Seal. He has these <laughs> two half-bats that he merges to form Lucille. Wrapped in it's a amazing. glowing barbed wire. And it, it's like he's almost a free agent. It's not like he's working for the aliens or whatever. He's like, yeah, they're sleeping tonight. It's my turn. It's just balls to ball craziness, and I love it. Yeah, I think that I I was really turned off by this because, as fun as it can be, it doesn't strike me as anything that makes me want to hmm. pay five dollars an issue for. Yeah, it's, so. it's definitely. I, I've not gotten worth it. something. I've gotten something out of each issue. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from you. I just think that. Yeah. You know. Having read the first issue, I was like, this is yeah. enough. I'm good. Uh, I don't know if we need to talk about Murder Falcon. I didn't really read that. Um, I had never read Murder... <coughs> I'd never read Murder Falcon before, because it seems very crazy and... Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, the wall. If I had to... So I'm a big metalhead. I am a really big fan of Daniel Warren Johnson. And I'm really big into this anime style fighting, and I will just say it's just okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the, my that's my brutal honesty <laughs> with it. I think that there's a lot to love about it. If you want to love the artistic choices that are made in it, hell yeah. 
Um, I think that it's on par with the craziness of um, Ultra Mega, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get the next chapter of Science Dog. So if you haven't read the recent one, I think the last chapter was in uh, the back of a Oblivion Song issue. issue. Was it Oblivion Song or further back? I think it was an issue of Oblivion Song because this picks okay. right back up where that ended. So they're calling okay. this chapter two. It's really weird that you have to like pick it up in so many different places to get the continued well, story. It was never something that was intentionally like intended to be an actual series or something, but he liked it enough that yeah, Kirkman liked it enough that he wanted to actually start yeah. writing some of the stories, and then it started getting talked about in Invincible, yeah. and then it just became its own thing from but there. So this is all Cory Walker, I think. Like writing it too? Um, well, it just shows uh, Cory Walker as the creators. It doesn't show Kirkman. No, a he time. he wrote it as well. I think they just didn't want to show Kirkman a second time. Let me see. Okay. In, in the opening credits page, he's listed as a writer. Oh, okay. Hmm. All right. That's their prerogative. He gets All sent right. into some alternate world, and I don't know what's up with these people's faces. That's rude. It's... Yeah. What's wrong with, with a their t-shirt faces? that says sports. Yeah, they do look very strange. I don't know what's but going on. I'll have to wait another three years and maybe catch it. <laughs> uh, assassination, uh, some boys trip, whatever. Yeah, and then, they uh, end up killing a bad guy and his mates. Yeah. Um, and then there's just uh, talk about a little bit of uh, different variant covers that they've done over the past ten years. That's it. There's no other back matter other than that. It's kind of a shorter issue. Mm -hmm. So, just two more to go. I don't know. Next cool. issue is going to be still uh, Rick Grimes 2000. An excellence short. Something called Sea Serpent's Air and something for Redneck. Okay. Um, not looking forward to that one as much. I mean, it's not really my thing, but sure all right we are going to move along to radiant black number six by kyle higgins cherish chen and darko lafuente and before we move along i do want to point this out darko lafuente is actually david lafuente this is just a new pen name that he's been using since 2019 uh darko lafuente is an artist that has been known for his work on comics such as ultimate comics spider-man which is going to be the second series he currently resides in london and i love his Whoa. art in this he might he might be dead after the flooding this week. Ooh. We'll have to stay tuned. Easy now. Welcome to dark jokes. Yeah. Oof. So uh, it was also uh, Mikel Muerto as the colorist. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who is the colorist for something that's killing the children? Yeah. Um, I loved this issue. This was a fun a origin story for uh, the Red Ranger. Excuse me, the Red Radiant. <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted to do a quick shout out to Cheris Chen, who was a uh, producer on Rocket Jump. Hell yeah. Um, this, I'm really conf Is this the second issue that they've done where they are like, we're not going to directly talk about what happens next? No, this with is the first uh, one. This is right after the uh, issue where they revealed the big bad coming through the portal. Yeah. I, I don't know what you mean. Like, we're not going to talk about 
something. No, I mean, the, the, so the plot for the first couple of issues was, you know, Radiant Black gets his powers, fights Radiant Red, then suddenly Radiant Yellow and Pink, Pink shows up, and they are fighting the big bad and then they reveal who the big bad is or rather what he looks like and then they're like no we're not going to continue that fight yet we're going to yeah, do some other stuff they're going to jump back into it next issue okay yeah i don't know they they call this one uh oh never mind it was the title for the back matter which i didn't read uh so we just get the origin story of radiant red their money troubles the stress on their relationship I loved this issue, but I feel like this was an oddly placed one. I feel like this would have been it should just have been as in... after the first arc. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think. But we're we are getting the reveal that you know this radiant red guy is actually a girl. So let's go okay. jump back to there. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Because of that reveal, that that actually makes more sense rather than uh, doing the reveal at like issue three or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Uh. I'm still really enjoying this book, and I'm happy I picked it up. Yeah. I still don't know how she... She absorbs the matter and whatnot. I don't know how she transforms her body, if that's an extension of her ability to transform. Well, okay, so there's a point where she's pulling the engine out of that car, and then that's the point where she gets all ripped and muscly. So I'm imagining what she does is she looks for something that's heavy in matter or mass, absorbs that, especially if it's something that... Is I more just wasn't complex. sure if it was like the ability to f- take matter and form it around yourself versus to change your body with the stuff that you pick up. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Now, this is, uh, I mean, it's a superhero story, so it's not going to be something that's going to get too dug into, I imagine, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to see the plot move along, but I did really enjoy this issue a lot. Yeah, I th- wonder if we're going to get another issue after the next one to explain the origins of the other two members i hope not i hope that they dig into the rest of the plot and then do the origins of the other two. i hope they're just filling issues later on at some point yeah like i would like it to be arc back matter arc back matter that would be fun this would have been a good one shot though like if we got the next issue and this together uh well i'm not radiant red number one I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that I just it, that's what they're doing with the uh, Power Rangers issues. They've had singular Power Rangers have their own. Wait, issues. This, this this isn't Power Rangers. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. tell you what it is or isn't. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't know you. For legal reasons, this is not a Power Rangers book. For legal reasons, yes. Yes. After working on a Power Rangers book, we get a uh, Mike Busettle. Uh, the editor and graphic designer uh, answering one of the letters in long form in the back matter. Mm. Basically talking about what it does take to manage a book and all the different balls you have to juggle to uh, keep all the projects in the air. Mm-hmm. They're talking about, oh, I've got you know this secret project and a second secret project, and I've got more ideas of other projects that we want to do, and i got to keep everyone moving and talking and whatnot. We've got our different timetables. Hmm. Yep. Shall we talk about Undiscovered Country? We can. Yeah. Okay. Oh, perfect timing. You stupid All right. Alarm. T- I know. Let's talk about Undiscovered Country, number 14, by Scott Snyder, Charles Soule, and Giuseppe Kimicoli. 
I liked bits of this, but overall it does seem to kind of be dragging a little. I don't... It was like half filler, almost. I mean, it, it definitely serves the plot, but... Yeah. Well, uh, to a degree, but I will say that I, I still feel like this story arc has helped me to understand what this book is dramatically more than the other stuff. Hmm. And I feel like this is also telling an interesting point which is about soft power in the u.s and how impactful superheroes and the (laughs) culture of comics is we we can't just have an entire high concept for the entire arc we gotta have something to you know fight against there is something to be said though about this because this is a this is saying we love comic books the world loves comic books but it's also being critical of it yeah go ahead um well i think your country's so new that comic books have kind of taken your place as your country's mythology, almost. Sure. I think it's kind of your country's modern fairy tale, almost. Well, I would say that America in itself is a country that is so heavily mythology, whether it's Paul Bunyan or the Tall Tales of the West or... You know, you name it, the amount of stories that come out of the U.S. I mean, even before the Wild West fictions hmm. and fantasies, um, it's a country that has a lot of falsehoods, and even in the in the history of the U.S. I mean, the, the narrative of George Washington being this ultimate yeah. hero or how the Civil War is portrayed in schools. I mean, there's a lot of things that are altered to make these characters it's, and these people yeah. more relatable, personable, and, and heroes, ultimately. Um, but the comics I mean, are an evolution of different short form media from before in England. Absolutely, you've got the Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah, oh, you also had the Dimebag novels of the West as well. Yeah. Um, we are a young country, but Canada is younger than us, and they don't have what they what we do, which is interesting. So but I they think have no soft power. They don't, but yeah. So it's a very high concept while we're dealing with an actual problem here. And it's funny how she figures out how to solve the problem. Yeah. It's also an interesting backstory for, you know, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. Um, Is it Julia? Sandoval. Thank you. Uh, her backstory about her getting tattoos and why she did yeah. it in Buenos Aires. You know, we should and... know everybody's name because they made a point of addressing each other by name at the beginning of the issue. They really did, but I still issue. have a hard time remembering everybody's name. You've but got like, Ace Kenyatta, Eva Sandoval, Daniel and Charlotte Graves. Yeah, Major Graves. Janet Worthington. Cheng, Chang, Ching, something Chang. stereotypical. Easy Chang. there. Um, you had Pavel Broflovsky or something in the first ish, first arc, mm-hmm. the guy who stayed behind. Yeah. Um, who else is there? Is that everyone? And obviously, yeah, pretty much. Sam. It was six people. Now we're down to five. Yeah. Cool. I got everyone. Hooray! Yay! Uh, it's an interesting. Don't donate to our Patreon to reward me for remembering everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting book because it is saying a lot about the U.S. that I actually didn't think I was going to. It's not like I'm like, oh my god, I've I've my eyes are open, but I definitely feel like there's some things to be said about the love and hate relationship that people the people have with uh, the U.S. 
especially from an outsider's perspective of fictional characters that are not Americans. So it's kind of fun. And then they're literally interacting with Uncle Sam in every zone. Yep. So yeah, that's a nice consistent <laughs> thing. I yeah. I'm surprised we're two issues into this arc and that weird antler dude hasn't popped up yet. Oh, uh, the um, Unity, not Unity Man. The oh god, what's shit? His what's his name? It's something man. Yeah, Destiny Man, Mom. man, Destiny Man, Destiny. the Great Destiny Man. Yeah. Um, if you go to the page uh, where they're going below deck and you've got all the different references to different things, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a pedestal that says Guggenheim in there. Hang on. Off behind Rambo. Off behind. You got Rambo. the Marilyn Monroe. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, down to the bottom left of that panel, yes. you got Guggenheim. Which reminded me that uh, there's a page in radiant black this issue i'm gonna get right to that uh she's when they get back to her house and he goes outside to talk with whoever the guy is if you look really closely at the book that she's reading it says the nice house on the lake nice Ooh. very nice um yeah i don't think i have anything else to say about this um the uh the timeline at the back beyond the borders day zero day whatever is this not just a copy from a previous issue do, do they put uh, this in every issue i don't know i didn't actually read it this has the comic book stuff and the timeline i don't really know to be honest. i feel like it's the same stuff because it just mentions the boston celtic basketball team outside the united states at the time of the ceiling blah 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 normally the with at least the first arc, when I was actually reading the backup, yeah. the timeline, it just added more on each time. So it would have the same stuff, and then it would add another few lines. So it was like slowly unearthing the kind of mystery behind it. You could do better with that space. Fair enough. Okay, we're going to move on to Home Number 4, Home number four by Julio Anta and Anna. You can do it. I'm so happy I didn't read this, so I don't have to try and pronounce it. A Anna Visigic? Visigic. Why? Why? Sizgic. Or Sizgic. Did you look it up? No. Well, then how do you know? It was his name I can read. before he was in witness protection. Fuck you. Because <laughs> I can read. <laughs> Eat the okay. deepest corner of my asshole, daddy. You are going as aggro as these uh, ice agents. I I told Sean this. I don't know if you saw my message to the group, but I said that this is my yeah. favorite issue that, of this story so far, and I'm actually enticed by it now. I still think the art is really spotty, but yeah. I think that this is the one that actually made me feel a little bit more. There's been so much of this that has made me feel like I'm reading something where I'm supposed to care and a part of me does but I don't care enough about the storyline and these characters and then this one was the finally the one that made me actually get impacted by it and that's not necessarily a good thing because I should be impacted by issue one mm -hmm. at, at minimum issue two yeah. so that's a little frustrating for me because I think that there's an interesting story to be told here but it doesn't come across the way that you expect it to it's still jaggering to have a story about super-powered immigrants 
and not have it really be advertised that way yeah fine whatever i'm already into the story so now i moved on from that point and now i'm starting to get a little bit more of that ball rolling and being comfortable in this environment i think that there may i would have maybe had more connection to this if i knew what this was going into it but the scene where he is pushing the kid over and saving him from being hit by a car and then immediately a white woman calls the police on him i think is not untrue yeah. I mean, we have we see video videos of Karen on YouTube all the yeah. time. I mean, there's it's, literal it's, dedicated channels to it. It's insane how much this guy is skewing the this uh, leader of the ICE agents is skewing the story. Like, he saves some kid from getting run over, and then he changes the story to be like he threatened this lady. Yeah. Or and you know the he a, calls her the, a hero. He calls her a hero. He's like, this yeah. woman was a hero because she almost died because of this boy. And I know it's it's later in the book when we meet his cousins who are superpowered individuals, but I think at the start of the book when he references two superpowered terrorists that they've been seeing all over the country the past few years, that these could be the people that he's referencing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, the way and that he's demonized this kid. Yeah. You know, he, he the that father and son that he met in the woods, they made it out of there with just barely their lives mm -hmm. that's so and it kind of makes you yeah. it is over the top but it's not inaccurate really yeah i, I think that there's I, been a lot like, of times i don't want to defend these guys like they're no no, no no obviously in the wrong but yeah i don't think that you're thinking that saying that at all i am hearing you i feel like it's kind of like what i had said about uh mom you know when there's yeah. a the, when there's enough hyperbole that it almost takes me out of it yeah it's heavy-handed it's ham-fisted but in this case I don't feel any of that. I feel like that does occur in the world. And I think that that's not untrue to have these characterizations. And I mean, you can mm -hmm. even just talk to somebody on the right about their characterizations of Mexican immigrants. Yeah. And they that will prove that point in, almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I can see why Sean didn't read this issue. Um, because I think that the previous issues have been kind of like, eh. Yeah. But I do think that this Extremely. is the best one so far. Extremely and miss main yeah. miss uh, i if it doesn't stick the landing it's going to be a really big disappointment i think it well hold on hold on to your butts for that hold on to your butts uh be, but it says in the letter column but before you get too excited a quick note about our final issue i want to warn you anyone expecting a clean ending where that they where we tie everything up and into a nice bow will be for in for a rude awakening next month i'm sorry i can't get these words out like the cruel reality of immigration in this country, home had its, its moments of hope, but that hope can be snatched away in a heartbeat. You've been warned. Okay. I've been expecting a second arc. I, I'm excited for it because I think that this is... Okay, this is a weird comparison. Do you guys know the story um, Plague Dogs? No. It's one of the most depressing fucking stories you'll ever read in your entire life. The film mm. is worse. It's it's something that just makes you so sick with depression that mm. I'm kind of feeling getting that vibe with this book story so far. Mm -hmm. I sorry, just one other thing that I'm thinking about. I think it's odd that they haven't mentioned the cousins up until this point. It's always like we're gonna it go is stay weird. with your aunt, not you know. Usually you'd say like we're gonna go stay with your aunt and cousins. Yeah, well, it seems like the cousins are off doing their own thing. That's why, but why wouldn't you get them involved? You know. Why wouldn't you mention them? It's just trying to keep them out of, you know, 
they've hidden these people up until this issue. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, we're going to move on to Nightwing 82 by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. This was a good issue. It was a really I, good issue. I'm glad they didn't turn John Richard, John Grayson, into a douchebag who cheated on his wife and had a second child. Agreed. It I was, actually was expecting that. Yeah. It was before he was with um, Mary? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, they didn't rise there into each other at that point. It's so, yeah. interesting that that other acrobat woman, who I forget her name at the beginning, runs into them together and they fight off douchebag McGee, who ends up killing Grayson's family. Um, Tony Zuko. But, yeah, thank you. I, I, I think that this was a story that could have been very cheesy, ham-fisted, um, forced... And it was none of those things. It was a pleasant yeah. story to read. It didn't ruin any of the origin story. It added a lot to the characters. I think that it's going to make you care about these characters and establishing a connection with Nightwing more in the future. But my absolute favorite scene in this story was Batman in the yes. night, in the Jetwing. Yes. Just fucking ready. Not even just Batman, but everyone coming for Dick. Everybody was there. Yeah. Save Dick. To clarify, because you haven't read it, Josh, there's a sequence where mm. Nightwing puts on the mask and is like, Oracle, call it off, I'm safe. And she's like, are you sure? And then she he, lets he everyone know. he got knocked out and kind of kidnapped at the end of the last issue. Yeah, so okay. what happens then is a bunch of his friends and family comes to his is coming to his rescue. And there's this one sequence where Batman's just like, I'm fucking gonna get my son! Where's <laughs> yeah, my son? On jet, like, holding the controls. It's just... Okay. It's really it really goes to show how much just a simple panel and an expression can capture so much. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I like this. I'm I'm really happy I'm reading this. Yeah. Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo is a great artist. He captures all the acrobatics and all that perfectly. Mm hmm. Alright, shall we move on? Yeah final thing we're going to talk about is going to be Supergirl number two Tom King Bilquis Elvely Evely sorry I've never read a Tom King book before and thought it was funny weird that it would be funny it's a lot lighter than a lot of what he's written before I had fun while reading this yeah I can't think of anything that he's written before that's made me like giggle that's a good point yeah like the main character who's not Supergirl is from the point of view of a young alien girl but she's like on this spaceship thing and she's got like a big fat alien next to her, it's kind of like spilling over into her seat and she has like this long drawn out speech about how like oh I paid for my seat and I it entitles me to like the air around my seat and like you're invading my area and it was just very funny. Yeah and then explaining to her how to wash her hands and yeah. the kind of the connection of like why is Supergirl helping her? It's because the dog's been poisoned, crypto's been poisoned. That made me hate the bad guy. Oh god, like, oh, seriously. Oh, the dog's dying unless we get him. Fuck him. Let's go get him. I'm gonna go John Wick on this yeah. bitch. Exactly. Yeah. The artwork on the page where Supergirl goes Phoenix Force. Yeah, that was beautiful. a little weird. But it was really pretty. That was something that someone on Reddit pointed out was established in Peter David's run. 
Of Supergirl, think, really? I think so. Hmm. So it's established from someone's run. I think it has it something is. to do with the uh, red kryptonite. I'm assuming. Yeah, the pill she took. I don't really know. Okay. Someone on Reddit pointed it out. I've not read the original run, so I don't know. Okay. Red kryptonite. It could have been worse. I, get out of my head. I was just gonna say it could be worse. It could be pink kryptonite with Superman. Which, by the way, people in the community are now LGBTQ community are discovering now, and they're like, "Oh, that's so bad. That's so offensive." What is, you guys what did pink what? Kryptonite? Pink kryptonite turns Superman gay. How progressive. Mm-hmm. You guys did what? We we snorted a bunch of pink kryptonite, baby. Yeah. No, I mean, sorry. You, I don't know if we cut that part out because we lost a bit, but the uh, LGBTQ Where? community finding out about it, going, wait a minute. You oh, no, guys we, kept, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, when they discovered that, dude, they've been blowing up about it on like YouTube channels and they're like, that's so offensive. And they're like, yeah. oh, this must have been in the 70s. And it's like, no, this is like 2003. Yeah. <laughs> you guys not watch Smallville? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. I get that it's like a creative choice, but it's a little. Yeah. A little strange. So anyway, Supergirl. Yeah. Supergirl. This has been a great issue. That last page where she finally gets... She's like finally in the sun and she just starts hovering, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. The artwork in this is phenomenal. I can see everything. Yeah. This is... This is a beautifully written and beautifully drawn series that is a Mm -hmm. lot of fun to read. It's a hard. This is a. This is not the bo- kind of book that is easy to hate. This is a hard book to find flaws in. Yeah. Um, I would even say that this is something that's really outside of the what you really expect from Tom King. Hundred percent. So the, this is hardcore fantasy. Oh yeah. There's. I. There's no like. Oh, essence. I, there's. I think Supergirl's the weakest character in this book. Uh. I think that depends on what you're focusing on because if you fo- if you pay attention to how she walks away from her question about does she, does she seek vengeance uh, yeah. for no the I death agree of I really Dawn. like that but like the main focus is on this young girl hunting for revenge and it would have been very interesting to see this as a black label or a image book well okay let me put it this way um, do you remember the movie The Road Warrior Mad Gibson You've never seen it? No. Okay, so the the narration of the movie talks about the impact that the Road Warrior has, Max, on this community of people. Yeah. But it's from the perspective of a child who was raised in the wild. So this is not that different. It's it's from the perspective and narration of a child raised in the wild, as this person who is a hero has impacted their life. But you just because they're the narrator doesn't necessarily mean that they're the main character but i do agree with what you're saying i think that right now supergirl has not been established as the more interesting character in this storyline but her impact she's still good enough i just think yeah if i had to pick one weak point i think she is the weaker of the other elements in the story okay yeah okay um josh hop on this now do it now eight issues eight now issues, baby. now that's like uh, that's like 40 bucks uh, do it now just steal it from your shop done <laughs> do we have any shout outs that we wanted to make 
Flash was very good this week. Wally cool. West goes for a job interview, and it's very funny. Cool. Josh? Uh, time before time, the plot moves forward. It's all right. My plot moves forward in time before time? <laughs> 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 if you want to laugh like an old, old-timey old Englishman, you just got to stut your jaw out. And... <laughs> 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 uh, we're oh, I should already mention about Flash. Um, Mick Rory Heatwave gets diagnosed with cancer. And no, you doc- don't need to. T- you don't need to mention. No, it's just funny. The doctor's no, sh- like, no, 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 no. The doctor's like, oh, there's nothing we can really do. Like, you're pretty much fucked. So I'd recommend just doing some stuff you enjoy for your last couple of days. So obviously he just goes and starts burning shit down. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this has been an interesting week. Are we going to talk about our picks of the week? Oh, that's that's Oof. that's difficult. I know. I think my pick of the week has to be. I'm gonna go with Moon Knight. <sighs> really? I didn't. Read uh, it. All right, you want to be that? I know you fucking ass, fuck, you piece of shit, fucking cum stain. I want to go hey, Layla yeah. Star, but I have a feeling one of you two is gonna pick it. I'll Not pick me. Whatever you don't. Well, you didn't read my other options, so. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm gonna go with Radiant Black number six. Okay. Cool. Tyler, what was yours? I'm going to go with Superman and the Authority number one. Okay. That was what mine was going to be, so I'm going to go with Many Deaths of Layla Star number four. I really liked was, Superman and the Authority. I didn't think I was going to like it as much it as was, I did. It was very close. Superman and the Authority was... I was going to go for whichever one no one else did. If I had read uh, issue three of Many Deaths back when we talked about it, I would have picked that as my pick of the week. Yeah, but this one I think is is getting me to the edge. I want to see how this yeah. ends because the next issue is probably going to be my pick. But mm-hmm. as it stands right now, Superman, that was yeah, great. It was just very, like it, it was says amazing. in uh, Manny Deaths of Layla Star, it's going to be a photo finish. Well, okay, that so has been. No, we've got go some ahead. Next books weeks. A, do we? Did I say next books do weeks? I have weeks? I'm tired. It's I'm 1 tired. It's one a.m. Next <laughs> week's books. We have the new Superman Son of Kal-El issue number one from Tom Taylor. Fine. Tom Taylor, yeah. Yes. Fine, Josh. I'll get it. Good. Yeah, you are, goddammit. What is this called? Bizarro S- Superman? Yes. S- Superman Son of Kal-El. He's added onto his list that he's going to shred as soon as we finish this episode. Yeah. How do you spell Kal-El? F U C K I N G J O S H. Tell me what it means to me. <laughs> uh, you got Berserker number four, Department of Truth number eleven, Made in Korea number three, Skybound X number four, The Old Guard Tales Through Time number four. I do not know Yay. who the creative team on this issue is. Is this the Matt Fraction one? I can tell you. Do you it. can tell. Me. Yes, tell this me is the Matt Fraction me. one. Cool. Fraction Walker. Lieber, Clark, Fernandez, Miwa, Wen. You're just making up words at this point. Yeah. Um, Maybe. We've got Action Comics 1033, Infinite Frontier number 3, Strange Adventures number 11, getting very close to the end there, and Robin number 4. Hell yeah. What was that before Robin? Strange Adventures number 11. Oh, I don't care. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> 
All right. Well, this has been the Cult of Comics podcast. We have been talking about our comic book club roundup picks of the week, and this has been our show. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you're checking us out on YouTube, give us a like, give us a share, give us a follow. And if you're checking us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, not Stitcher, uh, all the podcast locations, you should be also following us on there. Add us to your favorites, add us to your favorite flavors, and share us to all your friends. If you want to support us, that's how you're going to be able to support us the most. But if you really want to support us, give us a dollar and go to patreon.com slash culturecomics. Uh, what else can I say, boys? Give um, me money. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I can really think of. I would say definitely check out our YouTube channel. But we are mostly an audio-focused uh, show. So right For now, now you can check out. I will get on top of it at some point. Yeah, two months later, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, this is our part of our weekly. What are you doing with your? I'm, face? I'm staring at Sean. Get it done. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, I totally lost my train of thought here. What was I going to say? Oh, right. Every week we do two episodes: one news, and then one is the comic book club. This is our comic book club. So be sure to check out the news episode as well. We have a lot of interesting things to share about the comic book world right now. Um, thank you for checking us out. This has been the Cult of Comics podcast. Stay healthy, stay safe, and all hail. Good night.